Uh, this is Paul Schneiderman today on the 96th edition of Sports Untold on Rainier Avenue Radio. I have a very special guest today, former Seattle Seahawks quarterback and NFL legend Dave Craig. Dave's a three-time Pro Bowler, 19-year NFL career, Seahawks Ring of Honor member. Um, Dave, I really appreciate you coming on Sports Untold on Rainier Avenue Radio. Well, it's a pleasure to be on the air with you and looking forward to talking to you and some Seahawks fans that are still back there. Absolutely. Dave, I want to tell you something. One of my favorite 4th of Julys was back in July 2018 when I was going into the uh, Leshy Blue Water with uh, my Rainier Avenue radio friend and colleague, uh, Granville Emerson, and we ran into Edwin Bailey, also my Rainier Avenue radio friend and colleague, and he was with you. And when you guys invited me to sit at your table with Granville, it was a very memorable 4th of July, Dave. So I, it was always fun. I remember that. We were just sitting out there, and you thought it was the biggest deal, and I'm just like, Edwin and I are just guys, you know, but I'm glad it's a big deal. Um, and the reason I I, th- I understand <laughs> that is, like, when I come back to Wisconsin here and I see some people, oh, my God, that, you know, and I'm like, no, no, I'm not that big a deal, you know, whatever. And uh, But it's but it's really cool. My friends back here don't really treat me as, like, a, they wouldn't be, like, that's not a big deal <laughs> to sit at a table with Dave Craig back here. Well, you know, I think for a lot of fans, Dave, it's just fun to meet some professional yes, athletes yes. you grew up watching, and so it was, it was fun yeah. to meet you and spend some time with Edwin. Yeah. Well, Dave, you know, one part of your career that really fascinates me and many, many fans is kind of how you got the football bug growing up, but how did you go from the seventh-string quarterback at Milton College to become the starter and make it in the NFL? Tell us about your journey. It's a pretty incredible story. You know, I wish you would have called me a couple of days ago. I was at Rudy Gadini, my college football college coach, uh, Milton college coach. Uh, I just saw him a couple of days ago, Sunday, I think I was down by his place. And I did ask him some questions and there's a guy keeping the Milton college preservation society. There's one building left that the, the Milton college still owns. And they have the historical photos of basketball, baseball, and they show these coaches. And there's a guy named Oberbrunner, Crandall, Dick Deasy. Dick Deasy hired Rudy Gadini. Now, had he not hired Rudy Gadini, I don't know where I would have went. Um, I was back here about where I'm at standing right now. My dad said around July 4th, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to college? Are you going to keep working at the mill? I said, I hadn't thought about college. We went down to Milton, and Rudy said to me, we have a sophomore coming back, and that's about it. Well, then, that was in, like, July, you know, the end of July. So I go down there for camp on August 14th, and there's six other guys trying out for quarterback, including myself, uh, plus me, that's seven. And they were a tight end, Dan Melka, Scott Mitchin. Um, you had Pat O'Malley, Pat Horse O'Malley, Greg Berggren, um, a bunch of guys, and Shorty Hopes was a starter. And then eventually uh, we, had a, we had what you call it, an inter-squad scrimmage against Rock Valley. I separated my shoulder before the first game, so I was out for the first three, four weeks. Well, by that time, they started shuffling through quarterbacks. They finally got down to Pat O'Malley. He sprained his ankle in the fourth quarter of this one game. I went in and I threw four passes, and they went wrong, but three of them went for touchdowns. I ran the option like I was at Nebraska. Everything went good that particular <laughs> fourth quarter. Everything went good. And then they, then I started, I kept playing. And that, the beauty of that, Paul, is if I'd have gone to some state school or University of Wisconsin and I wasn't even ready for I would have just sat on the bench. And at least I built my got a chance to play. And that I played all four years, and that helped me going into the NFL. Have you encouraged, Dave, some other younger football players to go the small college route through, based on your experience and the success you had? Well, the, you know, the bigger the college, the more notoriety, the better chance for success to get the bowl games and get notarized, or, or get noticed, I'm sorry. But if, uh, but if you have a chance and you think you're okay and you still want to play football, yes, go to small colleges. Uh, you don't have to go to North Dakota State like Carson Wentz and, 
the kid that's at 49ers right now. Um, you can go to all kinds of small colleges. People will notice you if, if, you're, if you're good or if somebody can get you into, somebody can look at your film because Rudy did send a film to the Seahawks, you know, after, after four years. And that was one thing that helped me as Jerry Rome then looked at the film after a couple of days. And that helped. So any kid that has a chance to go to uh, a small college and play football, I highly recommend. I can't tell you what your, what's going to be the end product. But man, there's nothing like playing team sports. It's 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 good for you. Good good feedback, Dave. Hey, Dave, why did Milton College close, and could it ever reopen? Yeah, real simple. Well, they probably could, I suppose. I never really thought about that, but it closed because you know if you got 300 students, um, it's basically supply and demand, and there were enough people, kids going there that had enough money, they'd have gone to other schools, so they couldn't keep it financially going. Um, it was a really sad story. The guy was telling me a little bit about it, but I was in Seattle. And I didn't even know the first thing, what the heck was going on, you know, or why and all that stuff. But then I found out that's, that's the main reason. Um, there was some shady little dealings with some people there, the Dina students, whatever. I don't know. It is, that's, that's hearsay. But basically, it's uh, financial reasons. It's just an incredible story, Dave, I, I, it, that you had a 19-year NFL career and you played football at a college that's no longer in existence. It's, it's just an incredible story. Hey, Dave, I ask these two questions to my guests, and some of my few listeners are probably getting sick of these questions, but I always get great answers. Um, who's a living sports figure? It could be a coach, general manager, player that you would just love to interview, have a conversation with. A living sports figure that I'd like to have a conversation with? Yeah, someone that you'd, you'd find interesting to chat with. A living sports figure. Wow. I, I hadn't really thought about it. I, <laughs> I would like to talk. I wouldn't mind sitting in a room, a living sports figure. I wouldn't mind sitting in a room with Brady, Manning, Elway, Marino. Yeah, and you, you, you'd have some great... And, and the beauty of that is, yeah, it'd be about football, but then pretty soon it'd be about God knows what else. You know? <laughs> it'd be kind of like the former president's chatting day with you with all those guys. Yeah, and, and it'd stuff. be neat. Well, also, though, you got to remember this. And the reason I bring up John Elway uh, and Marino, a guy from Milton College coming to the NFL. Now, I've been in the NFL for like three or four years, and then I made the Pro Bowl, and the first guy I see the Pro Bowl is Dan Marino. And I'm like, there I am from Milton College, we had the same colors as Pittsburgh, fairly similar. We're like Nate, uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. But I'm at Milton College. I'm in the NFL Pro Bowl, st- sitting next to Dan Reno. I-, I just, I was just like, and then John Elway too. I'm like, you guys went to Stanford. I went to Milton. We're playing in the NFL against each other. Does anybody understand how weird that is? Love it. Has a little Hollywood to it, Dave. I mean, I think it's really cool. And John Elway and Dan Reno, those guys, Jim Kelly. You know, they would go out to these places like their golf tournaments and all these fancy places. I hardly knew how to tie a tie. And they had all these nice <laughs> on. They're, 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 they're used to all that. And I was acting like I was one of those guys. But they kept they brought me in like a young rookie, you know, and uh, it was it was pretty cool. They were uh, they were a good group of guys. Love the stories. Uh, another, another group of guys I wouldn't mind talking to would be offensive linemen. I, I, I've always thought of this like, Every time people talk, they get on the phone, they get quarterbacks or receivers or people that, but the guys that really do the work are offensive linemen and, of course, defensive linemen. They don't touch the ball, and they will do whatever you say and go up there and do it selflessly. Um, that is the true, I mean, it's just like any guy you'd want in the Army or the military. They go up there and they just work, and, and there's an art to it, and there's a way to mentally keep yourself going to, to go, I, this isn't the best job in the world or whatever, but I love it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to protect this guy behind me whether I like him or not. 
I always thought that was fascinating. So I could sit around and talk to a bunch of linemen, too. Love it. Love it. Paul yeah. Schneiderman, host of Sports Untold on Rainier Avenue Radio on the 96th edition with NFL legend Dave Craig. Hey, Dave, uh, here's kind of my follow-up question. Who's a deceased sports person in history you would have loved to have chatted with or had an extended conversation with? Who's the what, Paul? Who's a, someone who's passed away in the sports world you would have loved to have spent some time with and had an interview or a conversation oh. with? Yeah, yeah, Derek Thomas and Walter Payton comes to mind right away. I went to both of their funerals. Both of those guys uh, were, were were influential in my life in the, in the sense that when I was back in Chicago, you know, I'd see Walter a little bit, and I knew what kind of guy he was, how hard he worked. And, and Derek, obviously, for, you know, for a multitude of reasons. You know, yes, he sat, had all the sacks, but he was a great guy. Uh, he came up from a tough life in, in Florida. You know, raised, he got a bunch of money, raised a bunch of money for kids. Um, he was a very good dude, taken away from us at a young life, at a young age. Very sad we lost both those guys, Peyton and Thomas. Well, thank you for sharing those stories, Dave. I want to ask you something, and and you may get kind of a find this question a little bit out there, but but I want to get your try to get your response to it. So I remember back in the '90s when Bob Dole was thinking about running against Bill Clinton. And Bob Dole was asked, this is back in like 94, 95, and he was asked, what do you think of Bill Clinton? And Bob Dole said, I want the president to do well, but I don't want him to be reelected. Is that kind of the life of a backup quarterback? You want your teammate to do well, but you don't want him to have the starting job? <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, think about preseason, right? You're backing up somebody, whether you're a tight end, a right guard, a quarterback, or anything. Yeah, we work together, but I hope he... I hope he does okay, but I hope I do really better. I mean, you always want to look better because you want to be out there playing. So I understand that mentality, and you got that's how you got to temper things. You know, you got to go, okay, I want to be out there playing, but I got to help this guy, and it helps the team. So it's all about the team in the long run. Got, gotcha. I always, but when I when I when I heard Dole say that years ago, it just hit me the other day. I'll have to ask Dave Craig. Know, that's kind of life. It's, 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 being president, I guess, is a cutthroat business. But I'd say being an offensive lineman or anybody in the NFL and you're a backup, it's a cutthroat business because if you think you can be out there, you want to be out there. To say the least, very competitive guys. And you'll find a and you'll find a way to get out there. You'll find a way to get noticed if you really want it bad enough. A lot of it's the heart, isn't it? Dave, you were on that great 83 Seahawks team that went 12-4 and four and got to the AFC. No, that was 84, Paul. 84. My bad. My yep. bad. Yep, yep. The great okay, 84. Oh, I know. Yep, Thank you yep. for correcting me. That great 84 You're team right. that went 12-4, and, four and, <laughs> and you know you know the team, and, and, and got the AFC Championship game. Do you think that team, Dave, could have um, – could have beaten the 05 Seahawks Super Bowl team or the 2013 oh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, that's so hard to compare. Are you saying they would have to come down on practice after Thursday night and <laughs> go to some of the places in Kirkland that we did and go to some of the places, you know, and, and, and if we had the same nutrition and physical training as them, um, th th that was a good team. But I will say this about our 83 team. We, it was the first year Chuck coached us. Uh, Kurt Warner was there. First year we got Sam Merriman, linebacker from University of Idaho. He always claims that he was also the reason, along with Kurt, he got drafted in the same class. But we uh, we finished nine and seven. Then we won uh, the first playoff game in the ever, and we had it at the Kingdom. We had it at, at home and we beat the Broncos. Thank God they didn't start John Elway. He came in in the fourth quarter, and uh, when I saw him throw the football, I thought, oh my gosh, there was no arc on an 18-yard comeback. It was on a straight line. Um, but then we went to Miami, and now we're 17, and we win that game. And now we come back to uh, Seattle. The fans were awesome. 
we go to the AFC Championship game. We beat the Raiders twice, and now we get on there, and they just totally outplayed. It was the worst. That was terrible. But '84, if you remember, Kurt Warner hurt his knee in the very first game, right? Remember it well, yeah. And then, then we threw the football a lot. I don't know if we would have. I, it's hard to compare that kind of stuff, Paul. But I do remember our team, and I thought we were pretty good. Great team. I want to get your feedback. Was that the best team you played on? That '84 uh, Seahawks well, team. I wouldn't. I, you know what? That's a good good question. I, I don't know if it's the best team as far as we had the best players. But it was the best team where everybody came together. We had guys like Don Dupek and uh, <laughs> Shelton Robinson and Rick Miner and, and Eugene Robinson was a backup. And they were in there playing nickel. And Tom Catlin had this defense. And we had all these turnovers. And, you know, Keith Butler was on our team. Now he's the defensive coordinator for the Steelers. Um, we had a great team. We had Eric Lane in the backfield. Dan Dornick, one of the smartest football players I've ever played with, most competitive. Uh, Eric Lane, Dan Dornick, David Hughes. Um, all these guys came in and filled in for uh, for Kurt, and then Paul Scanzi and Ray Butler, and all, uh, uh, all these guys had great years receiving. So it was it was one of the best teams as far as team is concerned. Yes, love hearing all those names in the past. So so much fun. Hey Dave, I want to ask you about Steve Largent. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. He's not known as the greatest athlete. How did Steve Largent become one of the best wide receivers in football history? Um, I think he was just very quick and fast. And when he get to the end of his route, whether he was going 12 yards or 18 yards, he could make it look like he was going outside and then come inside. He'd make it look like he was going outside. He's, you know, he just would get, get it out of his brakes quick, very competitive, and he studied his craft. He was mentally uh, very smart as well. He studied his opponents. Um, it, he, he put a lot of time and effort into it. Then, it. then after a while, just muscle memory just comes natural to you. It's just that those are great, great, uh, great offensive memories. I'm sure you have with large and some of those great wide receivers. Um, Dave, oh my God! Dave, go ahead. Wait a minute. We had other good receivers besides Steve Large. We had Ray Butler. I wish I could get a, get a hold of him. I haven't talked to Ray Bob before, but that was a receiver we could have made better use of. Daryl Turner was a receiver that I could have maybe took under my wing a little bit more, but I was still trying to figure out my way around the NFL. Um, Daryl Turner was good. We had Paul Scans. He was Mr. Reliable. If you needed a first down, I don't care how long it was, or if you needed a touchdown in Kansas City with no time left on the clock, you call Paul Scanzi because that guy is so dependable, so reliable. He'd catch a third down pass. I, I'd watch him, and then he'd run to the sideline, first and second down go by. Then he'd come back out, get the heck beat out of him, and get us a first down, and then we'd keep going. We, that, that was what our team was about, our defense, our offense. And we had some of the best special teams in the NFL for a while underneath Rusty Tillman, who just passed away, by the way, one of the best special teams coaches in the NFL. And so we had the whole package. Our team was like, um, like even the special teams guys, they weren't the starters. Remember you were talking about backups? They said, okay, well, I can't be a starter, so I'm going to be the best special teams guy I can be. That's when you know you got a team is when the guys all buy in and go, all right, I can't start, I want to start, I wish them well, I wish I could be playing, but if I can't, I want to be on special teams. I'm going to do something to help this football team. We had a bunch of guys like that, man. That, that raises the skin on my arms right now. <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot of unity in the Hawks that, that, that year. That's a great story. Dave, you played under the Nordstrom ownership group with the Hawks. You played under the late uh, Ken Baring. Um, what was your favorite NFL ownership group that you played under in all your years in NFL? Did any, any ownership group stand out in terms of how they treated the players? Well, 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 well I'll, I'll just talk about a couple real, the first two. I mean, not the first two, but I guess the first 
two different teams. Mr. Nordstrom, I met Elmer and Kitty Nordstrom, and I just had a picture of it, and I showed some people, and I said, look at this guy. I was hugging him in the locker room after that <laughs> Miami Dolphins victory, you know? I got my arms, I'm hugging Elmer. I'm, I'm going, I'm hugging Elmer Nordstrom. I should have been saying, and Mr. Nordstrom, can I just have about 100 chairs of stock? I didn't even think about <laughs> I mean, he, he came up with Nordstrom, him and his wife, and it makes sense. You could bring your stuff back. They were the nicest, greatest people. And then their son, John, you know, he took over and did it all. All, all the first ownership group of the Seahawks was really good, and it all started anew in 1976. And then I went from uh, from the Nordstrom people, and the Berries were okay and all that stuff, but uh, and then Paul Allen came in really, you know, to keep the – the team in Seattle, that's a very good ownership group. And then I went to Lamar Hunt in Kansas City. I just wanted to mention his name. Sure. Uh, the Hunt family is like, that is really one of the first or second families on all of football behind the McCaskies and Hallises in Chicago and the Fords. The Hunt family treated you well too, Dave? Oh, yeah, they were good. They treated everybody well. You know, you got to remember back, they won the, the first Super Bowl for the AFC, the third Super Bowl they ever had. Len Dawson, Hank Stram, um, Ed Polak, they had... Uh, guys in the Hall of Fame from that team. That was a that was a good football team. The Hunts were young people. They just started the AFC with Al Davis, the Renegades, and uh, they made it work. And now look what we have. Love all the history. Some of the history you're sharing. Yes, Dave. You know, yeah. many football experts believe that you are one of the best quarterbacks and players who's not currently in the Football Hall of Fame in Canton. Is that on your mind a lot, Dave? The the Football Hall of Fame possibility of you getting in there one day? Only 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 when it comes up. When people like me yeah, ask yeah, about yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it usually comes, like I, I've been nominated for the last three or four years. I might even be done now. Um, and I guess you have to do a lot of social media, but it only comes up when you see the speeches. And I watch Charles Woodson and, and Peyton's speech and uh, Troy Palomolo, uh, Fenneca. I, I listen to all of them because what people need to realize is there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. But these guys, I was listening to Woodson. This made, made it funny. He goes, I had such a hard struggle. It was so tough. He goes, and then he was Mr. Ohio, Mr. Football in Ohio, <laughs> the state of Ohio. So by 17 or 18, everybody knows he's a good football player. So I'm trying to think if he had it any harder than I did at D.C. Everest when I wasn't even all conference in my football league. And then he goes to Michigan, and he has it so tough. He was just a great, great athlete. Um, but the chance of me making it, you know, we, we missed about 10 games because of two strike years. And that would have put me over 40,000, I suppose. And there would have been a chance. That's the that's kind of one of the benchmarks to get into the Hall of Fame. I could have played better. I had some inconsistencies too, so I, I get it. You know, I, I'm just happy to be. My name's even mentioned with it, Paul. I mean, standing where I'm standing right now, back in my hometown. <laughs> Dave, you know, you look at the the numbers, and you, you brought up an excellent point that I hadn't thought of before this interview. Those two strike short years probably affected your numbers quite a bit, but you still have pretty impressive numbers of the. Uh, of the quarterbacks, all sorts of statistical categories. And if, you just base, and if you base it on when you retired and based it on everybody else that was in your era, then I think I'm up there pretty good. Now you, it's hard to base it on stuff. These guys are throwing for, I mean, they don't even throw interceptions anymore. It's like throwing, playing flag football back there. So, um, it's not the, the the numbers are much more gaudier now. Well, Dave, myself and so many fans are rooting for you to, to get into Canton one day. So uh, and that I, would be so cool. The whole town of Rothschilds would come. The whole <laughs> town of Milton. So you'd have a total of about a thousand people there for sure. Right. Well, I, I I would I would be honored to give you a handshake in Canton one day. Hey, Dave, I'm going to switch gears for for a second and uh, sure. Uh, 
football movies. North Dallas 40 was great. Rudy, We Are Marshall. I thought Any Given Sunday with Al Pacino was great. Any any football movie you really enjoyed? I had to ask Dave Craig this question. Uh, any any football-related movie? You ever heard of the movie Heaven Can Wait? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, with Warren Beatty, right? Warren Beatty was in it, right? And, yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was the, the last I don't really watch movies, but it was 1980. I think it was 19 before I went out to Seattle, <clears throat> and I saw that movie. And I'm like, what the hell? How is this a football movie? You know, it's, you know all that stuff. But that's one football movie that a lot of people don't hear about. But I saw that before I tried out for Seattle. Whether it had any divine intervention, who knows? I can't think of the character. I can't think of the character's name, but there was divine intervention in that movie. That was one of your favorite football movies, and Heaven Can Wait. I, don't know, I wouldn't say it was my favorite, but it was apropos at the time. I'm trying to think of. There's so many football movies out now, but uh, North Dallas 40 was a good start. I mean, uh, the, the movie about the kid that uh, I wonder if it was uh, who was the guy? Keanu Reeves. He was the replacements. Yes, that's right. Well, it's fun. Just fun. I had I had to ask a famous quarterback at some about some uh, some football movies you've you've enjoyed, uh, Dave. I, this is a controversial, touchy subject, but I want to get your quarterback because no one knows the quarterback position as well as you do, and of, of the people in, the, in this world. Um, do you think from? Oh, wait, 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 Paul. Before you go on with that, could you repeat that? Nobody knows the quarterback for this better than I do. But if you look on TV on all the sports centers, they all seem to know the quarterback position way better. <laughs> And then some of them didn't even play quarterback, so I digress. Yeah, an armchair, an armchair fans like me, we try to act like we know we know stuff about about the football. Okay, that's but, okay. But uh, hey, so I want to ask you, from a pure mechanical and athletic standpoint, do you think Colin Kaepernick is would be a, is a, would be a legitimate member of an NFL franchise right now as a quarterback, or do you think politics is getting in the way of Kaepernick being on a roster? But assess his well, his abilities I- as a quarterback is what I'm interested in. Yeah, I think he was more of a um, a quarterback that could run as well as throw, and um, you know he was a good quarterback uh, in the NFL. I mean, look what he did—he took his team to the Super Bowl. So uh, Jim Harbaugh used him effectively. Could he play now? I mean, he's been out three or four years. I mean, that would be hard. Look at Tebow. I mean, it's hard to come back after being out of the NFL for two years—really hard. So you, you think it's beyond politics right now why Kaepernick may not be on an well, NFL right roster? Now just, it, right now it's just a matter of I, I just don't think physically you could come back and start playing. He hasn't seen any defensive looks or the speed up secondaries. Tell me where he's been practicing that he's seen the same thing that these guys have been looking at for the last four years. That, that would be so difficult. Coming back. so difficult. Yeah, yeah, coming back after a few years. Uh, Dave, when you left Seattle after the 91 season, were you sad or was it more of a good time to move on kind of situation? Our team was starting to. It was just we, we we weren't bad enough to get good draft picks. We weren't we weren't to the point where we were ten and six. We were getting in the playoffs. We were stuck at that nine and seven mark, seven and nine a couple times. Um, I w- I w- you know like anybody, I would have liked to have stayed there, but things just. Uh, and I'll tell you, what, going to Kansas City in one respect was well, a couple respects was good for me. But their weight room at the time, weight training wasn't that big. But when I went to Kansas City. Holy crap. Um, Dave Redding and um, I can't remember the other guy. The other guy's with the Packers right now. But I started lifting weights more. I was lifting with the offensive linemen. I I was a little skinny guy. You know, I was lifting with those guys. And 
uh, all the way through February, March, and they had it in your contract that you had to be there for the five days in the offseason to work out. That would be part of your signing bonus. So all their guys were in there in offseason, so now it built up good camaraderie. And we had that in Seattle, but not to that effect. And it was also tied in with your salary, so that made more guys have to and want to be there. And I got stronger, and that helped me to play another seven another seven years. I owe a lot of that to Dave Redding, who was the strength coach uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs at the time. Now he has Parkinson's, and I think he's living somewhere near the Platte River in Nebraska or Kansas City, and um, he's having a tough time. But but he, he really helped my career. You know, you you got to remember all those people along the way that helped you. Great, great stories, great insights, and how the weightlifting really helped prolong your career. Paul Schneiderman, you got the 96th edition of Sports Untold with NFL legend Dave Craig. Dave is uh, graciously uh, going to give us a half hour today. Got a couple more minutes left. Um, Dave, in terms of how the NFL has changed since you last played in the 1998 season, what do you like about how the game's changed? What do you don't like about how the game has changed? Um, what don't I like? Um, boy, I, I don't. There's not a lot I don't like. It really has opened the game up. It's made it look more wide open. More guys are able to use their athletic abilities. You get to see a left tackle against a right defensive end, and you get to see that. And then you get to see the strategy of, of a defensive coordinator trying to overload and get mismatches. So there's a lot of checkers and chess being played. Um, the game, I think, is. Uh, it's 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 pretty good for as far as offenses are concerned. Interesting insights, uh, Dave. Would you ever like to see football as an Olympic sport? No, it couldn't be an Olympic sport. How would how could it be an Olympic sport? I would like to think we'd have a super team and we'd win. <laughs> I mean, I don't see how that could be an Olympic sport. Although, if you played Samoa or Tonga, some of the Dan Salamoa. Uh, I can't think of some of the others in Hawaiian football. David Hughes, Kenny Kauai, Samoa and Hawaiian football players are the toughest, man. I thought we had some tough people in Wisconsin, but I'll take, oh, man, Dan Salamua. Well, maybe if football got bigger around the world, maybe there'd be yeah, more yeah, talk about it. it being an Olympic, I don't believe see it being an Olympic sport in my lifetime. Yeah, let me get up. Unless, of course, wait a minute, you could probably do flag football, right? You could do that. That's interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah, flag football is a possible yeah. Olympic sport. That, like that, flag football, and then gals and guys could play that way, you know? Yeah, you may that be onto something. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's maybe honest thing. Uh, Dave, you've been involved with some charity work. I know Mark Collins, and I, I believe you have uh, participated in the Jenny uh, Collins uh, Foundation. Tell us about some of the charity work you've done over the years, Dave. Well, there's, there's a few. I haven't done as much uh, lately as I as I did in the past. I'm actually wearing a shirt from the Special Olympics uh, Unified Sports. I think it was the, a couple years ago. Remember they had it in Seattle, the World Games for Special Olympics? That was, uh, that was one that I was just at. That was pretty cool. Um, the thing I'm also interested in is autism uh, right now for Kurt Warner's kids. Uh, Kurt and Anna have two boys that are 26, Christian and Austin, and they've had autism since they were like, you know, two or three or four years old. So can you imagine that? So they got a place in Ellensburg, but they need some refurbishing. They need, you know, they, they need to raise like $200,000, and it's, we tried to do some GoFundMe pages. So right now the autism thing, trying to help Kurt, and Anna Warner out there have a, a GoFundMe page or something. So that's one that's one that's near and dear to my heart right now. Great stuff. Great stuff. Can I get one or two more questions in, Dave, that we can sure, wrap it sure, up? Sure, sure. Thanks so much. Sure, Appreciate it. I want, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who was the favorite coach you played under? Knox, Patera, 
tell us who if you had to pick one coach, who'd be the favorite you played under? Well, I can't pick a favorite, but the most the, the, I'll go like this. Uh, one of the most influential at first was Jack Peter because he gave me my first chance and he taught me what it was like to be a professional. He's like, I'm not here to boost you up before a game. You guys got to do it. And that, that type of thing. Uh, he taught it just like get the job done. That's the way he was. When Chuck Knox came in, though, then I learned what it was like to play winning football. And here's what it takes for us to win. And here's what you have to do as a quarterback. And, you know, um, so Chuck Knox always, and Marty Schottenheimer was just the most detailed coach. He'd come into special teams meetings. Not many head coaches come into special teams meetings. And he'd have his binder out because wow. he was a linebacker. Marty was a linebacker in the old days. I think he was with Pittsburgh. And underneath him was Bill Cower, who went on to coach Pittsburgh. But Marty used to play linebacker in NFL. And he was one of those guys, like you talked earlier in this conversation, Paul, he wanted to be a starting linebacker, but he couldn't make, so he went on special teams. So as a head coach, when he, when he showed up, when a head coach shows up in a special teams meeting, everybody pays attention. They go, holy Christ, this guy cares about special teams. You know, he was a very good defensive coach. Uh, and uh, and offense, he kind of let his guys run run the offense the way he wanted. So Jeff Knox, Marty, um, uh, and Jeff Fisher was a good coach too. He doesn't get his due, but I had him my last two years at Tennessee. Steve McNair was there. God bless Steve McNair. That was a great athlete too. Great athlete. Um, but Jeff Fisher was a really really good coach. He was mostly a defensive special teams coach. Uh, he could have had some more offensive help, but Jeff Fisher was a very very good coach. Very smart. Love all your insights, these coaches. Uh, this should be my final question, Dave. Thank you so much for coming on Sports Untold Radio. Radio. This has been a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, what does the future hold for Dave Craig? The future hold? Um, I'm trying to decide that right now. The reason I'm back in Wisconsin, I like to come back here and go fishing, see my buddies from high school, drive down and see them in college. But I'm thinking of getting a little place either on a lake or someplace to go hunting so my kids can have a place later on. So... The future, uh, right now, I'm not sure what, what holds. I don't know if I'm going to stay in Phoenix, Wisconsin, or whatever, uh, but I still always come back to Seattle. That place is like a second home to me. The, uh, I mean, I, I was just telling some of my guys down at Milton, uh, they're like, well, how did, what happened when you got to Seattle? I said, you don't even understand. I never flew on a plane before. You know, <laughs> yeah. so I get there, and we're staying at the Holiday Inn there uh, in Bellevue, and these guys are like, wow, we're staying at the Holiday Inn, what the heck? And I'm like, this is the nicest hotel I've ever been at. You know, <laughs> I've never stayed at a hotel. At Milton, we didn't fly. So Seattle is just my second home. You know? Yeah, well, we, well, you definitely have a tie to this community. Would coaching ever be in your future, Dave, at any level? No, I, 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 I would have done that a while ago if I really wanted to coach. Um, playing 19 years takes a lot out of you, and it's hard. Coaching is, has to be something that you really want to do because, you know, you got some kids – uh, everything's at stake, what you're showing them. I, I can go tell people stuff, but I don't think I can be a coach every day. Totally understand. Well, Dave, thank you so much for doing this on Sports Untold Radio. Radio. What a great conversation. Uh, <laughs> always the best. Thanks for coming on. All right, Paul. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Enjoyed it. A lot of fun. You take care. Stay safe. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.